Welcome to the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I focus on your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being to help you be the best leader possible. Each episode explores research and practical tips so you can be a non-anxious presence personally and professionally. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 111 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, and in the next few weeks, I'm going to be going through a series of fables from a book called Friedman's Fables. This book is probably the most entertaining way to engage family systems. So if you don't have it, you want to get it. You can get it in paperback, and I believe you can get it in a digital version as well. So you can go to your favorite place to order books and get a copy. I have found that this helps understand family systems theory in the same way that Jesus' parables help people to understand the kingdom of God. This episode, I will go through the first fable in the collection, Friedman's Fables. It's entitled, The Bridge. There was a man who had given much thought to what he wanted from life. He had experienced many moods and trials. He had experimented with different ways of living, and he had had his share of both success and failure. At last, he began to see clearly where he wanted to go. Diligently, he searched for the right opportunity. Sometimes he came close, only to be pushed away. Often, he applied all his strength and imagination, only to find his path hopelessly blocked. And then, at last, it came. But the opportunity would not wait. It would be made available only for a short time. If it were seen that he was not committed, the opportunity would not come again. Eager to arrive, he started on his journey. With each step, he wanted to move faster. With each thought about his goal, his heart beat quicker. With each vision of what lay ahead, he found renewed vigor. Strength that had left him since his early youth returned, and desires, all kinds of desires, reawakened from their long dormant positions. Hurrying along, he came upon a bridge that crossed through the middle of a town. It had been built high above a river in order to protect it from the floods of spring. He started to cross. Then he noticed someone coming from the opposite direction. As they moved closer, it seemed as though the other were coming to greet him. He could see clearly, however, that he did not know this other, who was dressed similarly except for something tied around his waist. When they were within hailing distance, he could see that what the other had about his waist was a rope. It was wrapped around him many times and probably, if extended, would reach a length of about 30 feet. The other began to uncurl the rope, and just as they were coming close, the stranger said, Pardon me, would you be so kind as to hold the end a moment? Surprised by this politely phrased but curious request, he agreed without a thought, reached out, and took it. Thank you, said the other, who then added, Two hands now, and remember, hold tight whereupon the other jumped off the bridge. Quickly, the free-falling body hurtled the distance of the rope's length, and from the bridge the man abruptly felt the pull. Instinctively, he held tight and was almost dragged over the side. 
He managed to brace himself against the edge, however, and after having caught his breath, looked down at the other dangling close to oblivion. "'What are you trying to do?' he yelled. "'Just hold tight,' said the other. "'This is ridiculous,' the man thought, and began trying to haul the other in. He could not get the leverage, however. It was as though the weight of the other person and the length of the rope had been carefully calculated in advance, so that together they created a counterweight just beyond his strength to bring the other back to safety. "'Why did you do this?' the other man called out. "'Remember,' said the other, "'if you let go, I will be lost.' "'But I cannot pull you up,' the man cried. "'I am your responsibility,' said the other. "'Well, I did not ask for it,' the man said. "'If you let go, I am lost,' repeated the other. "'He began to look around for help, but there was no one. "'How long would he have to wait? "'Why did this happen to befall him now, "'just as he was on the verge of true success?' He examined the side, searching for a place to tie the rope. Some protrusion, perhaps, or maybe a hole in the boards, but the railing was unusually uniform in shape. There were no spaces between the boards. There was no way to get rid of this newfound burden, even temporarily. "'What do you want?' he asked the other, hanging below. "'Just your help,' the other answered. "'How can I help? I cannot pull you in, and there is no place to tie the rope so that I can go and find someone to help me help you.' "'I know that. Just hang on. That will be enough. Tie the rope around your waist. It will be easier.' Fearing that his arms could not hold out much longer, he tied the rope around his waist. "'Why did you do this?' he asked again. "'Don't you see what you have done? What possible purpose could you have had in mind?' Just remember, said the other, my life is in your hands. What should he do? If I let go all my life, I will know that I let this other die. If I stay, I risk losing my momentum toward my own long-sought-after salvation. Either way, this will haunt me forever. With ironic humor, he thought to die himself, instantly, to jump off the bridge while still holding on. That would teach this fool but he wanted to live and to live life fully. What a choice I have to make. How shall I ever decide? As time went by, still no one came. The critical moment of decision was drawing near. To show his commitment to his own goals, he would have to continue on his journey now. It was already almost too late to arrive in time. But what a terrible choice to have to make. A new thought occurred to him. While he could not pull this other up solely by his own efforts, if the other would shorten the rope from his end by curling it around his waist again and again, together they could do it. Actually, the other could do it by himself, so long as he, standing on the bridge, kept it still and steady. Now listen, he shouted down, I think I know how to save you, and he explained his plan. But the other wasn't interested. You mean you won't help? But I told you I cannot pull you up myself, and I don't think I can hang on much longer either. You must try, the other shouted back in tears. If you fail, I die. The point of decision arrived. What should he do? My life or this other's? And then a new idea. A revelation. So new, in fact, it seemed heretical. So alien was it to his traditional way of thinking. I want you to listen carefully, he said because I mean what I am about to say. I will not accept the position of choice for your life, only for my own. 
The position of choice for your own life I hereby give back to you. What do you mean? the other asked, afraid. I mean simply, it's up to you. You decide which way this ends. I will become the counterweight. You do the pulling and bring yourself up. I will even tug a little from here. He began unwinding the rope from around his waist and braced himself anew against the side. You cannot mean what you say, the other shrieked. You would not be so selfish. I am your responsibility. What could be so important that you would let someone die? Do not do this to me. He waited a moment. There was no change in the tension of the rope. I accept your choice, he said at last, and freed his hands. So, if you have never read this fable or heard it told before, I'm going to guess that it might have cooked your noodle just a little bit. It certainly did mine the first few times that I read it and heard it. What this fable illustrates is the concept of the leverage of the dependent. So we are going to unpack that a bit just based on the fable. But before we do that, I want to note that Friedman's Fables comes with a moral for each fable and a set of discussion questions. I'm not going to get into the discussion questions, but the moral for the bridge is when things start going really well, watch out. Think about the man in the story. He was striving to find his future. He was striving to understand who he was, what he was about, and to connect his passion in some meaningful way. And he finally discovered that opportunity, but he was going to have to journey to a new place and to get there by a certain time to show his commitment. And by doing that, what that caused was a change in his life. So one concept that Friedman is illustrating here is this idea of sabotage, that when we start to self-differentiate, when we start to really connect with our own goals and values and we're able to articulate it to others, when we start changing for the better, people get anxious. The ones who get most anxious are the most dependent in the system, and they are the ones who will try to use the leverage of dependency to hold you back. This is what happens on the bridge. Now, in the fable, the man who is on his journey does not know the dependent one who is coming, but in reality, when we are self-differentiating, when we are growing, when we are getting better at who we are, when we are changing for the better... What will happen is the most dependent in the system will actually get anxious and they will hand us their rope, ask us to hold it, and then they will jump over the side of the bridge. When we take the rope, when we say, oh yes, I will help you, I will do what you want, and then they jump over the side of the bridge, then they have us because we are in a position where if we stay to enable their dependency. We will not reach our goals. And if we leave, then we have to let them fall on their own. And the metaphor that is going on here is that by giving someone else responsibility for themselves, we have to be willing to tolerate the pain that might be involved. And in this case, the pain is extreme, right? It is falling to one's death. When I teach these concepts in leadership development workshops and I use the bridge as the opening tale, by the end of usually the first day or two, 
people are starting to say, I'm not going to take the rope. This is especially true with pastoral leaders, because when you are serving as a leader in the church, you are really susceptible to the dependent ones. Part of being a spiritual leader in a congregation is being the kind of person that people come to for help, and we like that. If we are in ministry, oftentimes we like being the ones who can help others. However, the dependent naturally, unconsciously, they intuitively know this, and they come to us, and they can put us in positions where we continue to enable their dependent behavior because we are not able to tolerate them going through their own pain. So the best thing we can do is to recognize dependent behavior before we even enable it and don't take the rope. What does that mean? Well, it means when somebody comes up to us and asks us to help us with something, we need to be able to recognize right off the bat, is this something that they could better off do themselves? One of the ways to do that is to start by asking a question such as, so tell me about what you're trying to achieve. How has it been going? What have you tried thus far? If you get to the point where you have determined that they are asking you to overfunction, that they are asking you to take responsibility for them so they can avoid taking responsibility for self, then the idea of not taking the rope is being able to say, well, I can see you are in a tough situation and I really care about you and I'm willing to walk with you, but I think this is something you are going to need to handle yourself. This is not an easy thing to say, but it's much better to say it on the front end than once they are dangling by a rope over the edge of the bridge. If they get to that point, they may have you because you will be really reluctant to give them the responsibility for self at that point. But that is the saying that is the essence of this fable. The man at the top of the bridge says, I want you to listen carefully because I mean what I am about to say. I will not accept the position of choice for your life, only for my own. The position of choice for your own life, I hereby give back to you. This is something that is worth remembering, owning in your heart, because if you can live by that principle, if you are able to Always take responsibility for self and never take responsibility for others. Give people the position of choice for their own lives. Then you are going to be able to avoid getting leveraged by the dependent. And you will also be able to think and act in healthier ways. You'll be able to be more self-differentiated. That's it for episode 111, the first of several storytime sessions from Friedman's Fables. And I would encourage you to go out and get that book. It is well worth having in your library. I'd love to hear what you think about this and any other episodes. You can connect with me at thenonanxiousleader.com. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at thenonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.